Well, hello, welcome to Round the Table Live with Christian Concern. And today we are discussing the case of Reverend Dr. Bernard Randall, um, who shockingly was dismissed, lost his job, and even reported to the Cancer Terrorism Organization Prevent uh, for saying that people should be free to disagree with LGBT ideology in school. And I'm delighted to be welcome, to be able to welcome Bernard himself um, into this live stream today. And also um, Andrea Williams, our chief executive as well. Bernard, great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Andrea, Thank you for having me. You as well. Um, Bernard, what a case this has been for you. I, I think it's been, is it three and a half years or longer um, since you preached a sermon that went all over the world and was published in a newspaper and uh, clearly stated um, um, things totally in accordance with British values. People should be free to disagree and tolerate different opinions and such like things and ended up losing your job. I mean, we obviously, we took this um, to the Employment Tribunal. The judgment came out just at the end of last week and you lost the case. Um, Bernard, what was your reaction to this judgment uh, when you finally got to read it? Um, well, the first reaction, it was it was pretty distressing to read. I mean, to, to lose the case when I, I thought we had such a strong case um, and then to, to read the way the judgment panned out. It was um, really very negative about the possibility of, of religious speech, uh, free speech generally uh, in, in the context of the school. Um, so, you know, a bit of a kick in the guts to read it at first. Um, and, and then Absolutely. after a few days of sort of trying to digest that that upset, um, actually, I realised that the, the ruling was so negative and biased that in a sense it, it will make the appeal easier, I think, because it's quite easy yeah. to see how unfair it was, how it didn't really balance the competing points of view in, in any meaningful way. Um, Can so, I just sit there and say, Bernard... I'm with you in terms of that analysis, but the, uh, the, the reality for me is that I, and I want to say this to all the viewers out there, can you believe it? That's how did we ever get this far? How was it mm. ever, how were, are we ever been in a situation whereby a church of England minister in a chapel in a church of England school doing his job ends up, suspended, dismissed for gross misconduct. However, did we get into, then reinstated, then let go? How did we ever get into a position whereby this was a lived reality, where there wasn't justice for Bernard Randall much earlier? How did we, have we ever been in a space whereby we had to bring this case to court? How was it that the school yeah. didn't simply yeah. settle? How is it that after, three weeks in a in a in a courtroom after getting to know Bernard understanding his evidence hearing that sermon how is it that we could get a judgment that reads as if he never gave evidence um, as if we weren't ever in that employment tribunal and, and I think that that's what I want to say to viewers this is Bernard's lived reality. This is our reality. And Bernard's case is high profile. Um, and as he said, 
it's distressing and gut-wrenching, but there are many more people that are in Bernard's kind of situation who either just leave, who feel forced out, who are distressed, just mm. for loving Jesus and speaking the truth. Mm. So, yeah. so Bernard, this this is the really interesting point, isn't it? Because all there you did cut out of the room. Sorry, all all you did was you preached Church of England doctrine in a Church of England chapel, in your responsibility as a Church of England chaplain in a Church of England school. That's right. right? So, so how how is it that the um, judgment managed to say that you 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 know what you did there was so wrong that you should lose your job um i mean it's really difficult to understand in in some ways i think a large part of it is is down to just simple religious illiteracy on the part of all sorts of people in society and and i don't want to sort of um point the finger at the judge only though, though <clears throat> she hasn't really understood what religion is about um but in the course of the, the tribunal hearing, the, the head teacher said that it, he'd never really occurred to him to think what being head of a school with a Church of England foundation actually meant. It, it never occurred to him. Yes, he said that in court, didn't he? Yes, he said that in his court. own school until I preached that sermon and he was made to think about it. And it took him over a year to come to understand what it meant. And it's how he managed to be appointed in the first place when it, it says that in, in the school's sort of guiding <coughs> document, the head teacher must accept and be in full agreement with the Protestant and evangelical principles of the Church of England. Um, again, it, that goes back to the governors who didn't really understand what they were doing with a church school. And so you, you can trace it back step by step. And, and let, me just, let me just so much you back to because I think the articles state that's interesting to know that it said uh, head teachers would be like, but also that the teaching in the schools should be, um, you know, in, in line with Church of England. You know, what does it say? Um, in accordance with the Protestant and evangelical principles of the Church of England. Yes. So, that, that's that's right. But the thing, then the other thing that's shocking, um, and not perhaps to come to this too early in the discussion in, in, in some senses, but we have there, Bernard's real picture of the general sense of illiteracy. What does it really mean to love Jesus and live that out? What does it really mean to be, as Bernard Randall is, a vocational chaplain, someone that loves the Lord, is there because he believed that God has called him to this place to minister to those children, to put the love of Christ into that place. A truly a a humble, kind, gentle, wonderful pastor. That is who we have in Bernard Randall, living out the Christian faith on the ground quietly. And then, it, and then, but when all of that is said and done, then tested by that the head didn't understand the kind of school that he was in, the deputy head didn't understand the kind of school uh, that he was in, the safeguarding officer didn't understand, can, understand the kind of school she was in. The governors didn't understand the kind of school that they were governing. The judge didn't understand what it meant to really be a Christian minister. But then when the appeal was made to the Church of England, the Church of England's general guidance, which no one had read until after Bernard had in fact been sacked, valuing all God's children, essentially looks just like the world. 
It's not, and all of them hid behind the Church of England's guidance, valuing all God's children, which was used supremely against Bernard in the uh, in the courtroom. And you know, the, the judge quotes from it saying, um, "It's in the context of education and the socio-political world, and it talks about homophobic and transphobic bullying." Uh, the Church of England's teaching on human sexuality and a range of Christian views should be taught. Bullying of any kind has devastating effects on the personal well-being of children. And so it goes on. And there is a and then in this document, it says there is a breadth of views held about same sex marriage, sexual orientation and gender identity by Christians and people of all belief. This needs to be acknowledged. And, and, and then it goes on, essentially goes on. Uh, using the language of Stonewall, using the language of educate and celebrate, so those LGBT advocacy groups, to say that the that the orthodox position uh, is is one position of many, and that to hold it, um, is um, to hold it may well harm children in uh, the school itself. This plan well, for so, so Andrea, let me just pick up on that. Biphobic bullying. So I I read that and I read the judgment myself as well. And um, this point about a breadth of views about same-sex marriage. I mean, honestly, the Church of England for a start should just be saying that our doctrine is this, right? Shouldn't be just saying there's a breadth of views, right? But then the judgment, Bernard, do you agree with me that the judgment seems to take that statement and use it to justify saying that you can't preach. That marriage between man and woman in chapel. Yes, that's that's effectively what it's saying. That somehow that is harmful. Hearing an idea is harmful to people. Is is what the judge seems to have accepted. That's um, a good point. Yeah. Which which doesn't make any kind of sense of the way that you know we understand free speech. You know, free speech has a long tradition of dealing with the question of you know what happens when people are upset or distressed or whatever. Um, <clears throat> And it's very clear that actually because free speech in a society and freedom of religion as a, a particular brand of free speech, as it were, because free speech is so important to maintain a liberal democracy, you have to place that above upset or distress. So what's happened is the judge has taken lots of references to upset and said, oh, well, but that was harm, which is a big leap. And she's also taken a few references in the valuing all God's children to making sure there's no bullying and saying, well, bullying causes harm. People were, were upset. That must be harm. So somehow there's a connection. But actually, there's no suggestion and nothing in any of the school's evidence suggested that there was a problem with bullying of any kind. Nothing suggested that after the sermon, they were worried about bullying. So to, to leap to expressing ideas through the idea of people being upset and then to maybe some bullying and maybe that's harm it just there was just no evidence and if point to an increase of bullying all of a sudden then you could understand where the judge was coming from i'd still think she got it wrong but you could understand it but the trouble is she's making all these leaps over big gaps in the evidence because she's already made up her mind. And it's not as if I was presenting an extreme view. I was expressing the beliefs of the Church of England that, mm. you know, has a 
minister in the Church of England, I'm obliged to express those. And the school's constitution says pupils must be taught the doctrines and duties of the Church of England. Well, that's what so, I was doing. So if this judgment stands, no chaplain, possibly no church minister anywhere, is free to state that marriage between a man and a woman. That that they, would appear they, to be... They the, could the, lose their job if someone complains about it. That's it. Yes. The point in the, the 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 big point in the sermon, uh, the big the big point not in the sermon in the in the judgment is really Bernard can believe this, um, but we don't didn't like the way that he manifested it in this mm. particular case, and they weren't um, and because these views could pretend, are potentially harmful. This view of marriage, and so Bernard, you can believe it, but you can't preach it in a chapel in a school because there's no way that those children can answer back or ask those questions. They were kind of going on so as to say, maybe in an environment of PSHE, when children are a particular, of a particular age and understand what's coming, maybe, maybe, maybe in that sort of scenario, they may, with preparation, they might be able to discuss these kind of viewpoints, but not in a captive audience in a, in a, um, in a school, yeah. in, in a school chapel. But, so, but part of the difficulty with, with saying, oh, well, you shouldn't talk about controversial things in a sermon in chapel is that everything you say in a sermon in chapel is controversial to somebody. If I say yeah. God exists, that's controversial to atheists. If I just say Jesus is the son of God, that's controversial to Jews and Muslims. If yeah. I say Jesus died on a cross, Muslims will take offence at that. And, mm -hmm. and no one ever objected to me speaking about other Christian doctrines, rightly so. So what's so special about this aspect of doctrine? And and to unpick that, you really have to be going, well, there is something very, very special about this area of life where you can't touch this this special class of people who, who identify as LGBTQI, whatever it might be. Um, and, and that's making a big leap. And one of the things that struck me in the ruling is that all the school's evidence and the discussion talked about LGBT, but the judge in her ruling went LGBT plus. <laughs> so she has herself added an extra political dimension. You know, the, the plus are, you know, means all sorts of things, but it doesn't identify a legally protected group, whereas the mm. LGB mm. and some of the T does pro reflect protected characteristics in law. The plus just doesn't. And so she's she's already showing her opinion in in the fact that she's written an extra letter, which sounds like a trivial thing. But when you understand the background to that, that that's not a minor point. It's an interesting point. It's a very interesting point. Um, Andrea, this this reminds me about the case of Barry Trahorn. This, this is back in 2014. I think he was a chaplain. Well, he's a volunteer chaplain. Well, he's working as a prison gardener, if I'm right, and volunteered in the chapel and preached in, uh, from 1 Corinthians 6 about such for some of you, and a prison, uh, actually an actual sex offender complained, and he was bullied out of his job. And we said then, how is it that somebody preaching yeah, from the was, Bible in a chapel can lose their job? I mean, that was, I mean, this is what I, this is why I want to, this is, this is what I want, this is really what I'm saying. When I say to, when I say to those that are listening and watching, um, are you do you know what's happening 
And when Bernard says he was distressed. That was like nine years ago. That was nine years ago. Nine years ago. And I, I mean, and honestly, ladies and gentlemen out there, this is our everyday life at Christian Concern. And Barry Trahorn, I remember very well. And let me say this. Barry Trahorn is a charismatic Pentecostal pastor. Bernard is a high church Anglican. They both really love Jesus. They're both vocational ministers. And it's the privilege of my life to know people like Barry Trahorn and Bernard Randall, to know their stories and to stand with them. But, you know, Barry Trahorn was pretty much full time in that. It was full time as a as a gardener in in Little Hay Prisoner, a sex offense sex offenders prisoner prison he but he was working all the time in the chapel and they loved him and the chaplain there loved him because he gave so much time to the chapel and to the prisoners and he was doing a lot of great work in that prison and one day one of the prisoners came dressed in female clothes to to the to, to the chapel Barry was, as he always often was, on his guitar, singing, playing. I could imagine this scene. And it was extempore that he went into 1 Corinthians. Um, Just to say, we've got a comment here and yeah. uh, from somebody watching live. By the way, if you're watching live, yeah. I can see your comments. Yeah. Stuart Menzies' parents says, I preached at the same chaplaincy as by Trahon. I know him personally. He's treated appallingly. Exactly. And this, this prisoner... Who um, this prisoner then complained about him to the equality and diversity officer at the prison. Mm. And Barry, who'd done a brilliant job in this gardening job, of course, what happened there that he was removed from the gardening position, removed from the chaplaincy position. I mean, and you know, it was another case, sadly, that that was lost. Yeah, and he just and, and the equality the and diversity. Is yeah. everything except religion, or certainly except Christianity? Yeah, so yeah, no, one of the I, things I that happened at Trent was that they had a, a, a diversity wall, which is basically a sort of twenty-foot-long piece of post, uh, poster to, for pe pupils to sign to pledge their support for diversity. Um, which is great, though the, the word diversity was in rainbow colours, so you know, little hint about what they really meant. But the same pupils that would have been complaining about me saying this is the Christian viewpoint had mm. signed the diversity wall, I'm quite sure. So they don't really know what they're saying when they say diversity, or rather diversity doesn't mean what it used to mean. It doesn't any longer mean all kinds of diversity. It says diversity so long as you agree with the LGBT ideology. And, and there are yeah. plenty of people who identify as, as gay or same-sex attracted or whatever, who do not agree with the ideology. So mm, one of the mm. when the story first came out, one of the comments we had on someone uh, donating to Christian Concern was, as a gay Christian, I can't believe I'm donating to a Christian charity, but we have to win this fight. As, sorry, as a as great gay atheist, I can't believe that I'm donating <coughs> to a Christian charity. So it, it is important <coughs> to distinguish that the facts of some people's sexual orientation from yep. the ideology which pushes pushes a particular way of viewing how that ought to be expressed in the world. Um, and the judge completely point. failed to understand the distinction between 
you know who yeah. people are and what they believe and you know, for a for a religious person that's blindingly obvious we know exactly what that difference is because we live in a world where belief is important but for a judge who doesn't live in that world she can't get her head around it yeah yeah so um but i want to move on um really to the whole thing about educate and celebrate actually which kind of is what kind of kicked this off isn't it in the school for you i think we've got a little clip of the founder of educate and celebrate um ellie barnes if we could just play that very quickly just to get a feel for what she's saying the whole concept of educate and celebrate is to treat everyone equally and fairly and really the bottom line is to completely smash heteronormativity that's what we want to do so our kids can grow up and be who they are because we are all more productive and we are all so much happier when we can be ourselves so we totally encourage intersectional ways of teaching lots of pedagogies around usualizing so making lgbt plus people an everyday occurrence within the school and that can come through by simply teachers being out it can come through the curriculum it can come through what you're putting on the wall so in the environment and how you're engaging with your community and that's our goal so bernard was that the lady who came into your school uh, that is her. Yes, indeed. Right. And and uh, the judgment acknowledges, I think, that um, she got she did a staff training session and got you all to chant smash heteronormativity. Yes. Yes. And and so that was a warm up act, according to the according to the judge. That was just a nice, gentle bit of a warm up act. Which was odd because it was towards the end of the session. But never mind. Be that as it may. <laughs> Um, but one of the peculiarities I felt of the, the tribunal hearing was that I said very clearly that I understood what that meant, smash heteronormativity and, and the, the roots of that in Marx's queer theory and, and so on. Um, so I gave a clear analysis of, of what that is all about. And then the, the members of staff from the school, when they were asked, do you know what it means, said, oh, no, not really. A bit vague. Not quite sure. Just felt it was a bit cringy to be asked to chant something. And they didn't engage with the problem that I had highlighted. And and yet the judge was was perfectly happy to say, well, it doesn't really mean anything very much, <laughs> which which is odd. You've got someone explaining quite clearly and she doesn't go to the effort to think, right, OK, what is going on here? And if it was simply someone talking about heteronormativity and saying, oh, yes, but actually all sorts of other people are normal. Bernard, Bernard, I want, I want to stop you there a minute. Can I just stop you there a minute? Because, you know, I actually, we actually played this clip to a former government minister the other day, and they'd never heard this word before, heteronormativity. So there may be some viewers here who are in the same camp who have not heard this word before. What What is this word? Is it actually a word? Heteronormativity, explain it. Well, to people us, use it, so it is a word. But um, so it's the idea that being hetero, heterosexual, um, is normal in society uh, and of course normal has two senses normal in the sense of that's the most common way of being and normal as in sort of morally normative that's how you should be mm -hmm. um, and what they the the people who object to heteronormativity seem to do is to say well because some people are same-sex attracted therefore we need to totally overthrow any moral standards and understandings about how we express ourselves um, mm -hmm. so it it becomes absolutely anything goes now mm -hmm. i don't want to say that 
everybody must live by Christian standards because Christians should. Others, once they're converted, should. And that's what we pray for. But others in society, OK, I understand that. But if you have a world where there are simply no moral standards, which is what queer theory wants, it wants to mm -hmm. totally take away any understanding of right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Then you get situations where there's there's no barrier to minor attracted persons, as the queer theorists call them, or mm -hmm. as most people call it, paedophiles. And if yeah. you can't say paedophilia is wrong, full stop, which I hope yeah. everybody would say, yeah. you really struggle to deal with that sort of problem. So I'm not yeah. saying, hey, Bernard. I'm not saying that everybody who is same sex attracted, and it's sorry that you have to say that. My point is queer theory, the way of viewing the world, takes away the boundaries and then can be exploited by the kind of people who will exploit vulnerable children. And, and that is a crying shame in, in a modern world. Can I just say, Bernard, you've just articulated all of that very well. The reality is that people will mishear what you've just said and deliberately mishear what you have just said. Yes. And uh, and that, that's part of what we're actually dealing with. How people hit the fact that you've you've argued there about the 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 um, worldview, the theory that is queer theory and where it leads and the lack of boundaries and so on and so forth. They will hear that you are suddenly calling all homosexuals paedophiles, and they'll say that's what he said. Yeah, well, which that's I'm... clearly. Can I just say that's clearly what you have not said. Yes. But that is what you will be accused of saying and what people will repeat. And that's the world that we live in. People don't actually hear the explanation. They don't hear the truth of what it is that's being said. Yes. No one could have given a clearer, kinder sermon than the one Bernard gave in the context of what was happening to in the school in response to a child's question, which was, do we have to accept all this LGBT stuff? And he said, and Bernard came in and very quietly, gently was saying, you may believe, you don't have to believe. In fact, it was a, it was an absolute example of moderation, much more moderate than I'd have been, Bernard. And well, so, the, <laughs> you know, well, you know me. Um, yes. so, 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 so the whole, but so the point about it all is that, you know. We're in a chapel. It was in response to the children's questions. Uh, and it, it was a, a love, you know, a lovely piece of work that was evidently being thought much about. And it was activists. It was an activist teacher. Really? Yes. That's that, that it was an activist's complaint. Uh, I, I think so, yeah. Well, it, it seems evident. So it seems evident to me, but that I mean, but that is that's all quite significant because that's 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 how that's how the thing gets triggered. This kind of deliberate and willful misunderstanding of what Bernard was saying, you know, because here you know there's there's someone who evidently and clearly is never trying to mm -hmm. to cause. And I think one of the things about this as well is that you know it's in Christianity that you never find the coercion. You, you find the true toleration. But when queer theory comes to dominate, when mm. the LGBTQI agenda comes to dominate, then mm -hmm. you have you will celebrate, you will educate, 
You will celebrate. You will not dissent because if you dissent, you will be yeah. punished. You will lose your job. Mm -hmm. And that's what so, we got here. So, Bernard, you know, you've got this group, Educate and Celebrate. It's a big part of the case, what they do and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, it, the case, the judgment analogies that they got staff to chant, smash heteronormativity. And you said, for the reasons you've just kind of articulated, that Educate and Celebrate is contrary to Christian tradition and British values, right? Which I would totally agree with. I think all of us listening here would, would agree with that. Um, and, you know, it's obviously promoting transgenderism as well, all these kind of things. Um, and the judgment said that that view, your view there, that Educate and Celebrate is contrary to Christian tradition and British values, is somewhat extraordinary, quoting, when the reality of the programme was it's a subtle approach to encouraging inclusivity for all. How did they get to that? Um, by deciding to be there before they even looked at the evidence, I'm afraid. That, that <laughs> seems to me to be the only way you can do it. One of the things that points towards Educate and Celebrate being not a harmless group is the misrepresentation of the law, because the, the Equality Act has nine protected characteristics of which two are sex and gender reassignment but according to educate and celebrate it is gender and gender identity mm. well gender identity mm. is mentioned nowhere in the law and it's, it's not a legally recognized category so they're campaigning yeah. for something quite different to what the reality is yeah. but when the judge takes that idea of well you know i said they told us gender identity was a protected characteristic and that is a lie which is just objectively the case you know you can look up the yeah. equality act on a search engine three clicks and you're there um but the judge totally ignored that and simply said oh but gender identity is a commonly used phrase or, or something along those lines well yes it is but that but doesn't it's mean law. it's a protected characteristic in law no. and, and once you once you ignore the fact that they are misleading the people that they're talking to, educate and celebrate, then you can ignore the fact that they're extreme and politically partisan. But if you recognise the law says gender reassignment, educate and celebrate say gender identity, therefore they are not telling the truth, then you should be much more easily led to the realisation that they are not the moderate, gentle people um, that the judge seemed to think they are, and that, that my view that there's something more um, underhand going on should be taken more seriously. Yeah, well, I mean, I think um, educate and celebrate obviously need to have a massive fallout of favour like Mermaids have had and Stonewall has had. And they did start to have it because one of their, was it one of their trustees who exposed himself on Tel 4 um, and then had, you know, they, he had to well, resign. Right. They denied he'd ever been in a school and now we've, now we've seen he has been in a school. We have got a petition out to launch this week uh, to get educate and celebrate out of schools we've already got ten thousand signatures that we only launched it yesterday um do sign that if you're watching this uh we'll put the link in in the chat there um and um let's get educate and celebrate falling from grace as well and out of schools and if that happens then Bernard's appeal will be so much easier because it rested a lot on the approval of this crazy organization andre you want to say something well you saw ellie barnes who do you want in your schools? Yeah. Do you want Ellie Barnes and Jordan Gray, who exposed himself on television, who was going into schools and teaching our children? Yeah. Do you want those people in your schools? Or do you want this man that's on your screen, Bernard Randall? I mean, and you know, and furthermore, it's not 
Um, Ellie Barnes or Jordan Gray that are being reported as safeguarding risks and unfit to work with children. It's Bernard Randall. Yeah. That actually has on his file right now um, this notion of investigation for being uh, someone that is a danger to children. In, in effect, that's what it looks like because he's been marked as a safeguarding risk because of his view. view. It's, it said, of course, he's done nothing ever. Uh, who, who marked him as a safeguarding risk, Andrew? Bernard, do you want to say? Um, the, the Bishop of Derby and the, the Derby Diocesan Safeguarding Team. So th the initial case against the school was one thing, um, and to some extent they shouldn't be expected to know exactly the ins and outs of Christian doctrine. Um, but then for the diocesan safeguarding team to take what I said and say, this is a safeguarding risk, we can't trust you to teach children, um, they should know better because they should know that the Church of Doctrine, the Church of England's doctrine on sex and marriage is what it is. And they should know that to express that is basically what a member of the clergy would be expected to do. Um, and yet they totally ignored that and said, no, no, even mentioning these ideas. Well, they seem to think that that might cause people to change their behaviour. I mean, heaven forbid that a sermon might encourage people to reflect on their behaviour, but never mind. Um, and that to, to encourage people to change their behaviour is, is, a, is a harmful thing. It's fundamentally so what ruled that their doctrine, the Church of England people actually ruled that their doctrine is a safeguarding risk. Yes. So they, the, 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 the real kicker in all the, the documents that have been produced over this um, is that um, owing to some church scriptures and, and canon law supporting his position, my position, uh, the church itself is a risk factor in safeguarding. The church itself is a risk factor because they actually, of, said, that, did they? They actually said that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Church scriptures support the point of view that I was expressing. And therefore, that's a problem. I mean, that from church officials, people employed by the church. Um, I mean, so, really, it's, they, I mean, they, they, it's shame, isn't it? It's just shame on the Church of England. Valuing all God's children, their document sadly has mis misled uh, the teachers and the governors in Church of England schools. You know, without a vision, the people perish. Without clarity of teaching, without the shepherds feeding the flock and nurturing the flock, well, the wolves can quickly get in. And what you have here is, a, you, you know, we were talking earlier about people not understanding what the Christian faith was, is. And we talked about, you know, the, the teachers and the head and the governors and the judge. But when the bishop, when the bishop doesn't understand, when the bishop doesn't yeah. advocate when the bishop can't immediately see, can't immediately come into Bernard's rescue, can't in, come in immediately and say, This is Church of England's teaching. I understand that you may have found this difficult right now. Uh, what are we going to do about this? Let's sort it out. That's kind of like a vaguely normal, a vaguely normal world. Um, but when they the, the diocese actually get behind the school, and three and a half years later, Bernard does not have a permission to officiate, is not able to preach sermons. Yeah. When on his, on his church record, he he's labelled as a safeguarding risk. Can you imagine when he applies for jobs? 
what that looks like. By the way, people, anybody listening out there, this is a fantastic chaplain that you've got there. So if you're needing a chaplain in your school or in your or in your churches, here's a wonderful one available. This who stood the test of time and knows what it is uh, to really be comforted and walk in the joy of the Lord um, for the last three and a half years by faith. But I mean, that is quite something. And and I but I also want to say, I suppose that this is not Christianity, as in what the, what the church has done there is not Christianity, because Christianity... It's um, actually anti-Christian. It's actually anti-Christian. It's anti-Christian. They're actually standing against Bernard and for Ellie Barnes, for Educate and Celebrate. You know, they're, they're Educate and Celebrate are the real safeguarding risk, and they're standing up for them, and they're up against Bernard, who actually wants to teach, you know, standard Christian doctrine, magistrate, man of woman, and so on. And that they're against him and pushing him out and stopping him from getting another job. Yes, yes. So I, I have not been able to lead an act of worship or to preach um, for, well, it's, it's three years since I last did something in the school chapel. Um, and the bishop just will not give me permission to do anything. So I I have to, to sit at the back of church and, and watch the people doing the thing that I used to be able to do. Um, and... Mm. There is no immediate prospect of ever being able to do it again because of the way that the, the church has treated me as a safeguarding risk simply for standing up for the church's own doctrine. And that, that is the really astonishing thing for, yeah. for saying, you know, you may believe the church's own teaching. I didn't even sort of bash the pulpit and say, you must believe this, otherwise you'll go to hell or anything like that. No, that's that's, that's, that's not my style. And, <laughs> And, you know, I'm I'm quite happy with the idea of people discussing and debating how we understand what the Bible is telling us. But there has to be truth and there has mm. to be right and wrong. And, mm. and our understanding of that may be, you know, we're fallen. So maybe we don't always get it entirely right. Mm. But the notion that there is truth and that there is right and wrong because mm. God is is ultimately true and the ultimate good, mm. those are fundamental to Christianity. But effectively what the Church of England is saying, certainly in my case, is you mustn't tell people that there's right and wrong. Mm. It, it's, ju it's, it's just harmful to suggest to people that what they're doing might not be right. And, mm. and of course, if, it's, if people are doing stuff that is not right morally or in terms of the church's doctrine, then actually they are going to be harming themselves mm, mm, in, in mm. all sorts of ways. And part of the point of teaching people about the ethical teachings of the church is to draw them out of lives which are self-destructive, because the fall mm. is about self-destruction, and into a life which is positive and full of joy and happiness and building people up. Mm -hmm. Now, I can live with people disagreeing about where we draw the lines in ter terms of you know what it builds us up and what is self-destructive. But mm -hmm. the idea that we can't even have that discussion mm. and that when I have that discussion, I shouldn't use the church's current position. That, that's just astonishing to me. Yeah, it um, is. If yeah. the church is led by the Holy Spirit, which, as I understand, pretty much all Christians believe then the church's do doctrine is, by definition, good and beneficial. Amen. Absolutely. 
Yeah. By definition, because God is good. So yeah. his teaching good. must be good. He is good. He is good and his laws are good. And they Absolutely. set us free. And his moral code, the how now to live, makes sense of the whole of life. And, his, yes. and, his, and he died, he, you know, his death on the cross and his blood that was shed was costly. And it was costly for our sins, that which had led us astray, that which actually confuses us and makes us deeply unhappy. Mm -hmm. And the, 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 the real message of hope to our children is to say to, the, to them, you are, uh, you are a young man, a young woman made in the image of God. And he has plans and purposes for you that are good. And he says to you, stay pure until you are married, one, married, one man, one woman in life. Build that unit. This will set you free. It's not something that shackles like the world says. It's something that sets you free. This is good news. This is gospel news. This is the truth. Mm. This is the truth. And society may shout at us that it be something that is very different. Uh, that yep. In fact, their ideology, in fact, is freedom. It is not freedom. It actually leads to a whole lot of hurting, a whole lot of people lost about who they are, what their identity is. It leads to, to real, just this absolute confusion and hurt amongst our young children who are very often not able to cope with all the stuff that's being thrown at them now, as we know, right into, you know, we've got even this week, this week that we're recording this, we've got news of drag queens in libraries, in primary schools. I mean, this is in churches, in churches, under in, well, in um, churches, this, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. So Bernard, I, I'm conscious we need to wrap up really, but um, we, you've had very good, um, media attraction on this haven't you the, the, what you, the media coverage has been very encouraging i think you wrote an excellent article by the way for the critic which maybe we can put up on the chat as well thank you um have you been encouraged by the media reaction to your story i have because i think that the the recognition that actually that the freedoms that we ought to be able to enjoy freedom of religion and, and freedom of speech do actually matter to people and they they see the sort of the woke agenda just pushing much too far and and yet yeah, you can have a discussion about what is right and what's wrong and, and whatever but you mm. have to be able to have that discussion all the time in all mm. circumstances and the woke mm. ideology says no we'll tell you what you're allowed to discuss and we will mm. shut down any kind of disagreement and mm. and people have had enough of that i think so yes i'm encouraged that people haven't just turned around and said oh well it turns out he was really awful after all um we should take no notice. People have said, no, this this ruling is is nonsense. This this can't be right in a yeah. free society. Um, and, and I agree with them and not with the judge, I have to say. Uh, it'd be no surprise <laughs> in that. And so do we. I mean, we can't have a judgment stand that says you can't preach marriage between man and woman. I mean, I mean, that's that's outrageous. It is yeah. outrageous. Listen, Bernard, thank you so much. Um, really appreciate you, really appreciate your wisdom and your clarity of thoughts. It, obviously, very evident to us all. Uh, listening in on this conversation today and Andrea as well great to have you with us as well and thank you for watching if you haven't signed that petition already um, to get educated celebrate removed from schools please do so um, and uh, and let's support this and let's get them removed um, and we really look forward to this uh, judgment being appealed and to Bernard being uh, vindicated in due course um, on this
And um, by the way, as well, we have opened up applications for our Wolf Force Academy uh, for young people, um, uh, uh, sort of um, students onwards. Uh, do look at that and um, and recommend that and anybody you know who might be interested in that. And we've also got a pastor's symposium end of the month, March 29th, 30th, if you know. And pastor. Bernard will be speaking. Bernard's coming Bernard to that. So we're really looking forward to having Bernard yeah. with us. So come and get to know Bernard. Come and see us. Come and, come and spend an evening yeah. with us. Have a lovely supper and then a day together with us where we bring you um, lots of news around our cases, but also just how to deal with some of these cutting edge cultural issues. Yeah, yeah. Very good. So thank do you, everyone. Do your notice for you, Tim. You what, sorry? I do your notice for you. Yes, well done. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. See you next week, folks. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Okay, bye.